0: Hi there. Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur at heart, running my own yoga business and building my personal brand. My goal here is to provide you, the yoga teacher or fitness professional, with interesting, compelling content designed to pique your interest in teaching help you grow as a teacher and support you on your path to sharing this wonderful practice with your students and growing your business along the way i've been teaching for over 16 years and through my classes workshops online courses books and other content i focus on the anatomy of yoga and how teachers can learn this complex subject and present it to their students in an understandable way all designed to help them bring more impact to their teaching. Even though we're not in the same room, I want you to envision for each episode that we've sat down for tea in a cozy coffee shop. Some days we'll talk about technical teaching topics. Some days we might have a teacher friend join in on the conversation. And other days we'll face some of the personal challenges that definitely come up when we take on the journey of yoga teacher, knowing that the more authentic we can be, the more we can impact others. For more information about my products and programs and to contact me at any time, please visit my website at barebonesyoga.com. Let's get into today's episode. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 50. I can't believe we've made it to 50 episodes. I wonder if you're out there and you're one of those listeners who has listened to every single episode. That would be so cool. If you have listened to every episode, can you um, post something on my Instagram, which is yoga, And let me know. That would just be the coolest thing if you've listened. I, I bet you, I know a couple of listeners, yoga teachers who have listened to all 50. I bet there are a handful of you out there. So thank you so much. And thank you to all of you for listening. And thank you to anyone who has ever been on my podcast uh, in the past. It's kind of interesting uh, that we're ending this year on episode 50. I think this will most likely be my last episode for the year since we only have about two more weeks left of, uh, of December and we've got the holidays in there. So it's kind of nice to end on an even note and kind of a milestone number this 50th episode. So again, I want to thank all you listeners. This has been this year just an amazing year for the podcast with downloads growing by leaps and bounds every week. I probably have about 2 to 300 downloads every week and we're inching closer to 20,000 downloads, which is which I don't know. I mean, who who counts these things in terms of like measuring them against industry standards, but what I can certainly say is I am super excited every week when I go into uh, look at the numbers and I see that anywhere from two hundred to three hundred people have downloaded downloaded the episode each week. Um, I definitely want to start out by sending a special thank you to Jamie, and she is on Instagram uh, as well. Her um, her handle on Instagram is follow your uh, follow your asana yoga. And I wanna thank her for writing the sweetest Instagram post the other day. She said, even though I teach friends at home and I don't finish my 200 hour training until February, I am terrified to teach in a studio. Karen is so sweet and inspiring and everything she says is spot on. Thank you Bare Bones Yoga for motivating me to keep going. Well, thank you Jamie for listening and thank you for sharing those sweet thoughts And I know you are going to crush it as a yoga teacher and you're going to move past that fear. And like many of us, you're going to have the fear and do it anyway. And that is just going to be uh, fantastic for your students to see you really kind of step up and just own your place as a yoga teacher. So thank you again for listening and for sharing your thoughts. And remember, if you're listening and you'd like to be featured on the podcast, send me a snapshot, a screenshot of the podcast episode you're listening to and tag me on social media. Instagram's a great place to do it because then I can easily share it and share it with other people and let them know that you're listening, what your thoughts are on the episode and hopefully that'll encourage them to listen to and also be inspired and share it with other people and we can get the word out about the podcast. So friends, I want to start out today and let you know that all this week from today, which is the 16th, I started it yesterday actually, until the end of the week, the 21st, I am offering my 200-page anatomy manual as a holiday special for only $94, which is down from the list price of $119. It's $25 off. Now, all the easiest way for you to get the offer is just DM me on Instagram, barebonesyoga, Go on the website, send me an email, barebonesyoga.com. If you're in my Facebook group, uh, the Anatomy Work Group on Facebook, or uh, if you have access to uh, Facebook, if you use Facebook, which I'm pretty much sure you probably do, just go on my business page, barebonesyoga. Yoga. And so I've got the link on the business page. I've got the link in the Anatomy Work Group on Facebook. And, or you can always just, you know, again, just tag me. Uh, Or I'm sorry, just DM me on Instagram and I'll send you the link. And that's the way you get it. You don't buy it off my website because that's list price. I'm running this special because I'm inspired by the holidays um, in terms of what could I share with yoga teachers that will really um, help them in understanding anatomy and how to give uh, cues. And so this is completely revised, this manual. I've had this manual for a couple of years, actually more than that. And it's really the culmination of you know 15 years of teaching experience and teaching anatomy. And along with the anatomy content, it gives you a pose breakdown. So I know so many teachers, when they join my anatomy work group on Facebook, they say, I wanna learn um, the anatomy of the postures and the cues for the postures. And so this literally is a guide that will, in part of it, one of the chapters, breaks down the essential poses and gives you the anatomy in each pose, and the cues, the action cues for each pose. Now, it doesn't necessarily give you anatomy-based cues. For that, there's kind of another program that I have, which is more comprehensive. But this is a a really reasonably priced offer, um, 94 bucks, and it's a manual that you will always, always refer to and will become just kind of part of your repertoire of resources for your yoga teaching. Um, because it has that whole cue section, you're, I know you're really going to use it. It's not going to be the kind of thing you read and then put on your shelf and never pull out again. So again, to get this offer, just send me a direct message on Instagram, Barebones Yoga, or just send me an email off my website, barebonesyoga.com, or just go on my Facebook page or in the Facebook group and you'll see the offers listed. And I'm gonna be posting it a lot this week. So if you can't, um, it'll probably be the most recent post on the pages. So let's see, for today's episode, since it's the end of the year, as I'm recording this again on December 16th, 2019, I am deep in planning for next year, as well as reflecting back on the year that's passed. So first of all, I want you to reflect for a few moments on how things went for you this year when it comes to your teaching. Were you happy with how things went? How did you feel? What kinds of things did you do that you felt really made an impact? What kind of impact are you looking to actually make? Have you identified that? Have you articulated that? Did you teach in studios and other venues that matched your goals? did you feel you were fairly compensated for your teaching did you ask for what you're worth do you know what you're worth what were your big wins and what things did not work out as well so i know you can't answer all those questions right off the cuff but maybe listen back to this episode and jot down the questions and you know use it as a little journaling exercise for yourself to really get clear on what happened this year. And I'm sure when you think back, there are definitely going to be some things that come to mind. Now, I also want you to think about what things were really draining for you. You know, that class or that that teaching gig you have, maybe it's an independent contract you have with um, a separate entity from a studio. Maybe it's a children's class or maybe it's um, uh, a corporate class or some kind of specialty setup where you're teaching privates uh, for, for someone. And, you know, you just feel like it's draining for you. There's just something that's not in sync with between you and that teaching opportunity. And, you know, you're going to know what these things are when I describe it in that way. If you have something that's like this, you're probably listening to this saying, oh, yeah, I, I know that one. Um, Maybe it's just a studio that is just not in sync with how you teach. Whatever it is, I want you to identify anything that falls into that bucket. Now, from there, I want you to take a moment and think about how you see yourself next year as a yoga teacher. Right now, just kind of stick with me here for a sec. So, So notice I said how you see yourself, right? So that's really a visualization. So if you were to close your eyes, if you can right now and see yourself as a yoga teacher next year, what do you see? What are you doing? How do you feel? What are you wearing? Where are you teaching? Right? All these different things that Um, contribute to the visualization of you in 2020 teaching yoga. So, you know, I know for many of you, you're working and teaching on the side. So we're, for this exercise here, we're just talking about the yoga teaching part of your life. Um, But just that idea of visualizing, starting with the visualization. So in your mind's eye as you see yourself teaching next year what do you see you know because from this visualization which will probably bring up some bodily sensations like a, it has a somatic nature to it so you might like feel your heart rate pick up or you might even get a little sweaty or you might feel butterflies in your stomach i i certainly know when i think about next year there's quite a few things <laughs> that kind of make me take a moment and acknowledge that it's a little scary. And I can promise you that in years past, I did not have that feeling because I was really, really playing it safe. And when I get into the rest of this episode, you're gonna hear a lot more about that theme. Um, so I'll just kind of let that sit with you for a moment, but you know, just stay in tune when you're doing this visualization Uh, as to the physical sensations in your body. Now, I know when I think back on 2019, it was a big year for me. Now, did everything go perfect? Absolutely not. Are there more things I want to do in 2020? Yes. Did I take time to acknowledge the things that went well? I absolutely did. I actually had an Instagram post a couple of weeks ago when I was beginning my reflecting back and my go forward planning and I was just inspired to write an Instagram post with a little uh, visual list of some of my big accomplishments and you know I'll admit there was a little part of me that thought oh this is a little self-serving I shouldn't be posting this but then there was another part of me that said why not I am really proud of myself I am really proud of myself for the things I've accomplished and I want to post it To really acknowledge the work I've done and also to inspire other people as well. You know, I'm not the only one that can be doing what I'm doing. There are other people that can do similar things, or maybe their niche is a little bit different. And so I hope that by posting, you know, some of the things that I was able to tackle, that even if it's not exactly the same thing, that perhaps it inspires you as well to take on some new things in the coming year. So let me just kind of share with you some of the things that stand out to me in some of what's happened in my life for the past year, and especially in terms of my teaching. That's really what we're talking about here. So as I said in the beginning, the podcast has grown by leaps and bounds, and I'm seeing more comments on my website, on social media, just feedback from teachers to, to share with me that they're listening. And it's also been really neat when I've done workshops in person And teachers have come up to me and said, I'm listening to your podcast and I really, really enjoy it. So that's just been really, really cool to develop a community of listeners outside of kind of what's been the standard way to connect with people through uh, Facebook and Instagram. So I really, again, want to thank you for listening and just share that It's for me been this past year because I started the podcast. This was the first full year, I believe. Um, Yeah, because July was one year. So it's really now become just one of my main anchors in the category of free content that I provide. I used to blog a lot, but I really transitioned to the podcast as the main source of free content for me to share with yoga teachers. Now, the other thing that happened for me this year, and I wonder for yourself how how this went as well, is I taught more workshops than ever before. And I can definitely share that it was one of my goals to teach at least one, if not two workshops a month. And when I say workshops, I mean either something I'm doing at a studio where I teach regular classes, a training workshop that's part of someone's 200 hour, and because I specialize in anatomy, I get asked to do that for a couple of, uh, more than a couple of 200 hour trainings, or something that's more like a live event, something where it's not affiliated with one of my partner studios, it's an event or a workshop that I completely am doing myself. And at the beginning of last year, or the beginning of this year, I set a goal of at least two workshops, if not more, every single month. And I ended the year meeting that goal. And the reason I'm kind of framing it in that way is because I really needed to start the year out with the goal in mind to really set the tone for the actions I was gonna take from month to month. And once I set that goal, it really helped me define, well, what did I need to do from month to month in order to meet that goal? And so I really encourage you, um, if you also are, you know, you're listening and, and you're really kind of struggling around goal setting, of course the first thing is you're gonna identify what the goal is. But then you have to start to identify what are the individual steps that you're gonna need to take in order to meet that goal. And because you've got January coming up, it's a perfect time. This is, again, what I was saying before about kind of harnessing the natural energy that's there because it's 1-1. So it's a perfect time to start to list out what are those goals. And then you've got really the first week or so of January to start to operationalize each goal into its bits and pieces, into its parts, into its, it's like a little mini project plan. What are you going to do to meet these goals? So the next thing was I completed my second level of training with the National Academy of Sports Medicine, and I got my certification in corrective exercise. And this is really, really important to me because for me, going outside the yoga industry to not only become a certified personal trainer, but then to get this advanced um, certification with them was really an acknowledgement that I needed to make, that number one, I needed to be a more discriminating buyer of training programs, right? And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more going forward uh, in the podcast here today. Um, This idea that I really was no longer satisfied with just kind of following the path that everybody else was doing in order to get training. I really needed to be um, a little more mm, discriminatory about where was I going to spend my training dollars, and for me as a as a teacher who specializes in teaching anatomy, it was really important for me that I get an original certification in the sports medicine world and then an advanced certification in the sports medicine world to really give me more information specifically on anatomy and biomechanics and uh, so that you know that testing process is you know you're taking an exam for the original certification. You're physically going to an exam center for this advanced certification. It's self-study, and then you take the exam online. Um, but you only have a certain number of attempts. I think maybe two or three. And I was able to pass it on the first try. And so that is a whole separate certification tract that I have concurrent with my registration uh, as a yoga teacher as an ERYT with yoga alliance and you know i really want to make that distinction because i i often hear yoga teachers say i'm a certified teacher and what they have or what they are is a registered yoga teacher and that's a little different and it's really just the nature of yoga alliance that Yoga Alliance as an entity isn't certifying anyone. Certifications come from an individual teacher and they come as a result of the one-on-one work you do with that teacher. So my original certification is with Baron Baptiste and some of you listening may also be certified Baptiste teachers or you may have a certification from Shiva Ray or Rodney Yee or Sean Korn or someone else, uh, another teacher who has personally mentored you and you've gone through there personal training programs. Um, I also have uh, a relationship with Tiffany Krukshank and I'm a yoga medicine teacher. So that's another affiliation I have through participating and completing several of, tra- of the trainings that Tiffany Krukshank has provided. You know, but keep in mind, when you're going through your original 200 hours, you come out of that as a registered yoga teacher. And if you then go on, to take additional training programs with a specific teacher, that teacher may offer a completely separate designation, which they may call certification as a whatever their branding is, certified Baptiste teacher, or you know, in Tiffany's case, it's a yoga medicine teacher. So again, that's more at the personal brand level. So for me, I wanted to really go outside the yoga industry because I really needed to get uh, specific training in anatomy and biomechanics. And if you're listening and you also are looking for uh, a really um, uh, systematic training on anatomy uh, that results in a nationally recognized um, certification, NASM, I really um, have nothing but good things to say about their process. So the next thing was I decided this year, um, rather than investing in a yoga training, because every year I really like to do one yoga training for myself. This year I decided instead of that, I was going to invest in myself on the entrepreneurial side. You know, at the end of the day, uh, yes, of course I'm teaching yoga and providing many different products and programs and services to yoga teachers. And they're all under the auspices of me running my own business. And so it seemed to be the right time. I do a lot on the side in terms of one-on-one mentoring through a variety of virtual um, programs with uh, one or two online entrepreneurs, because so much of my business is virtual. And so this year, I uh, decided to invest my training dollars in a business training program with James Wedmore. He has a a really good podcast called Mind Your Business, if you're interested in that. It's an entrepreneurial podcast. And he's out in California, and I attended his Business by Design training, which was a three-day business conference with 600 entrepreneurs from all over the world. It was unbelievable and so worth it. And along with attending that event, I also purchased his online uh, learning program for entrepreneurs. And when I say online learning program, what it really is, is imagine a procedure manual with all the procedures written down, project plans, how-tos, tip sheets, cheat sheets, everything from how to hire a team of people to support your business, to, you know, how to create offers for people. And this is all training that's completely outside the yoga industry. So he's not a yoga teacher. You know, while I did meet other teachers when I attended the training, the three-day training, the training is really agnostic with respect to the kind of business you're in. It's really more focused on the techniques that, are helpful to employ when you're running your own business. And this is an area really where, you know, I've done a lot of work and I had 20 years of business experience before I got into yoga. So I combined what I knew and what I learned. Uh, and I've gotten to the point where I'm actually teaching entrepreneurs in courses that are given here in Boston uh, for a local nonprofit, the Center for Women in Enterprise. So, I will say for sure, you know, I know if you're listening and you've gone through your 200 hour training, the business side of that training was probably really, really short. And you may be out there thinking, I don't even know how to run my own business. If I want to definitely leave my corporate career and teach full time, how am I even going to do that? So, you know, again, all of what, um, what, the, the business knowledge that you need, really, especially if you're going to get into anything in the online world, there, is, there are definitely specific steps that you need to take. So for me, it was really time to heavily invest in my business. And I'm really, really just completely thrilled with the event that I went to and what it's going to really help me do in the coming years ahead. The other thing that I'm really proud of this year is I hosted two live wellness events, the Urban Wellness Weekend and the Urban Wellness Saturday. And these were two live wellness events where I taught yoga and meditation. I had expert speakers in a whole bunch of different areas of health, and I had a number of inspiring speakers. Uh, attend as well. And then I supported the attendees with healthy food from different vendors in the area. Some really interesting vendors came and shared their products and services. So these were two events that I completely did on my own separate from studios and built the whole event. It really, both of them really turned out to be um, a lot of work, uh, the whole thing was completely a blast to do. And um, the people who came to the event, uh, both events, I had a lot of people come to the second one that were at the first. So there were repeat attendees. The feedback sheets I got were just really, really great. and people all seemed to have a really wonderful time. So that was that was a big achievement to run, you know, it was a huge event hall that I did it in. Here in Boston, and so there was just there were a lot of moving parts to that so that was that was a big a big fun event that I did. And then the last thing that I noted was I really had a lot of fun this year building up my one on one virtual coaching for yoga teachers and I have had some coaching sessions with teachers as far away as Bulgaria, uh, Sweden. Uh, the UK, as well as many teachers in the United States. And so it's been really neat to get on a Zoom video conference call and to do one-on-one trainings uh, with uh, one-on-one coaching sessions with teachers um, near and far and pull out my skeleton and go through pose demos. And, you know, there is really nothing you can't do online in these sessions. And the really wonderful thing is you get to, help someone at the one-on-one level. And that's really what's missing in group trainings for yoga teachers. And it's really what makes one-on-one work with a mentor so powerful because you know you get to customize the learning experience for you, both in how the learning is, is uh, shared and the content. So all of that, um, just, you know, gave me pause to kind of write that all out and just feel good about, about the, the past year. And I really, really encourage you to take the time to do that yourself. And a lot of these things were, you know, preset goals for me. And did I, you know, achieve each one exactly as I wanted? No. But for many of them, I really just the doing of it was such a great learning experience for me. I'm a huge believer, if you've ever read um, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People uh, by Stephen Covey, and he's got that that framework, that mindset uh, of begin with the end in mind. And I'm a huge believer in that, this idea that we really, really need to think at the start of what we wanna achieve, and then we can kind of map out how we're gonna get there. So I'm gonna share with you here some of what I wish for you in the coming year. Now, it's not that I know exactly what you want more of in your life or teaching career. It's more that these are personal and teaching development concepts and initiatives of sorts that I'd love you to consider to add to your list of goals for the new year. So I'm going to go through these one by one and you know see what you think as we as we go through them. So <laughs> The first one is uh, this is kind of a big one it's been a big one over the past couple of days for me stop asking for permission stop asking for permission and what really inspired me to to write this out is I've had some conversations and trainings with newer teachers around you know just some of the ins and outs of being done with their 200 hours and what the next steps are and getting started as a teacher. And you know, a lot of these questions come up in the context of talking about the business side of yoga. And they also come up, uh, or when they come up, it's really clear that as an industry, we really are, I don't wanna say we're failing our teachers, but we're really not giving teachers the support they need to develop the business side and the business aspect of being a yoga teacher and i think that and the lack of that coupled with just kind of the culture we live in and and in a large part how we were you know kind of brought up in this kind of corporate work environment where You know, you're applying for a job. You you know, you read a job description. You apply for a job. At this point, I'm sure you apply online. You have an interview. There's like a really formal process, and then you're you know, you're hired, and you have this job, and you know, here's the list of things to do, and you know, the job description, and you have a supervisor, and so it's a it's a very permission based paradigm. When you're a yoga teacher, it's very different. You know, especially because our industry, and I I will say different from the personal training industry, you know, although I don't use my certification in personal training to work as a personal trainer, I could, but I choose to use it on the yoga side of things. When you work as a personal trainer, there is a different kind of oversight of your work um, from a certification standpoint. And from the perspective of, you know, the oversight of, of you working in a gym under the tutelage of someone else, a senior trainer in the yoga industry, we really don't have that. We have Yoga Alliance as a registry and by their own admission, they don't go out and personally check on, uh, you know, the quality of what's happening out there or who's teaching what they really depend on, um, feedback from people out in the world. To alert them if something is awry, right? If if a training program is is not is not meeting the expectations, that feedback is given to Yoga Alliance by perhaps a participant in the training, and then maybe they do some following up on that. You know, the reality though is, as you know, there are thousands of yoga trainings happening all over the world at any point in time, and there's absolutely no way. That Yoga Alliance can do any kind of reasonable quality assurance on all those trainings. So, having said that, and then coupled with, you know, kind of the reality of as a yoga teacher, I mean, let me ask you (laughs) um, I bet most students, when they go to a class, don't know the qualifications of the person teaching the class. So, there's a little bit less of an emphasis. It's not like when you go to a physician or someone who's providing you with treatment, you know, even massage therapy, where someone is going to be placing their hands on you or providing like a treatment service, where the consumer of that service might really be more interested in what's the certification or um, education or experience that the practitioner has. It's a little different in yoga. Right, there's you know classes taught by brand new teachers, uh, and classes taught by really experienced teachers, and everything in between. And so, I guess what I'm saying is, when you look at our industry in general, the really amazing thing is the sky's really the limit. You can pretty much create and do whatever it is you want. Now, of course, there are standards that have been set that. Most people are adhering to, right? The general kind of way that things are happening is that Yoga Alliance is setting standards, and in general, studios are participating in that uh, in that kind of structural framework, and they're submitting their training programs to Yoga Alliance, and teachers are then graduating from these trainings and submitting their information to Yoga Alliance and becoming rich yoga teachers, I myself am one. So, you know, there's no difference there. The difference is, though, or what I'm, what I'm suggesting to you is that uh, perhaps widen your perspective into recognizing that you don't need to ask permission to do certain things that you might want to do. So, if you want, for instance, to teach in an assisted living center with older adults, you don't necessarily need to go and spend another two thousand dollars on a specialty training because you need to have a certification. I'm sorry, a registration level with Yoga Alliance to say you're doing that. Now that might not be a great example because they, they actually don't have a registration level specific to that, but they do have some uh, registration levels for, uh, I know children's yoga, and I think there might be a couple other areas where they provide specific designations. Now, again, I don't want this conversation to be just about Yoga Alliance. What I'm trying to um, suggest, uh, or what I'm trying to offer you as a different framework is the framework of doing what you want to do without feeling like you need to ask for permission to do it. And if that resonates with you on some level, then my work is done here. That That's really what I'm trying to say. Now, one of the other things that I'm gonna to get to in this list of things is the concept of integrity. Um, and I think I just wanna kind of mention it a little bit now because you have to understand along with having freedom in anything comes tremendous responsibility so what, and and the way as teachers let's talk about it in the context of yoga teachers we illustrate that we have integrity is we recognize our limits and when we're in over our head and and we don't do things that are going to put us in situations where we're not ready so along with freedom comes tremendous responsibility to step up and show that you are a person of integrity to either say in regards to a particular teaching opportunity, you know what, this is really out of my area of expertise and I'm going to contact somebody else for you. So that's an example of, of something or not holding yourself out as an expert in something when you're really not the expert in that thing. Now, expert's kind of a funny word because who's to say who's an expert in anything, right? But you will know, and this is what I mean about personal integrity, you will know if you're pretending to be something that you're not. And so again, whether we're talking about yoga alliance and certifications and registered yoga teachers and having the freedom to do what you want, underlying all of that has to be be a strong bedrock of being a teacher of integrity. And when you have that, you're basically building your reputation in a way that shows that you respect yourself, you respect other people, and you plan on building a reputation that's going to hold for the long term. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to move on. I hope, I hope that all makes sense. Um, the next thing, the next theme of things that I hope uh, for you and me for the coming year is this idea of bringing integrity into all that you do. There is so much I could say about integrity. Um, you know, it's it's to me really become a central theme in so many things. Everything from me saying to myself uh, the night before, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow and actually going to the gym, even though I have so much to do and I could just sit at my desk for eight hours straight. It comes down to things like, even though, you know, my stomach feels a little off and I could request a sub for my class, I'm not going to because it's my class and I need to show up. Or a situation where I have a party the night before, I'm doing a three-hour training, I have a couple of glasses of wine, even though um, I know I've got this training the next day, and I really try that scenario to stick to a commitment to just maybe one, one and a half glasses of wine, and then go home and go to bed because I know I've got to be fresh in the morning. You know, there's so many different examples in my life. Um, Another big thing uh, for me regarding integrity is really watching my language. So I don't mean, you know, using colorful language. I try not to do that too much, but sometimes I will admit I get kind of excited when I'm doing trainings and something might slip out. It's more things like watching my own language around how I talk about myself. I'll give you a perfect example. I read something on Twitter the other day, and this person was saying something along the lines of, it really is annoying when freelancers talk about freelancing and how great it is and then you find out that they're living off a trust fund or they have a spouse that um, you know is supporting them that's not a fair statement and so the implication is hey don't don't talk about how great freelancing is if in the reality of your life you're really living off of some other you know input of money some other source of money so who cares how good your freelancing gig is going Now, I can certainly say for myself, years ago, I, you know, and I don't even know if recently, but this is more of a memory for me, when I would talk to teachers who, let's say there was a teacher who was running her own studio and she was married. And so in that scenario, maybe there was less pressure on that studio to be successful because at the end of the day, that teacher had another source of income uh, coming in. Now, did I ever have any of those conversations with that teacher? No. Was my perception of the situation one where I was assuming that if that teacher's studio didn't do well, they always had that other source of income to fall back on? And I would say yes, right? I had many views in the past that looking back, I'm kind of ashamed that I had them. It was kind of this knee-jerk reaction, the making assumptions, the perceptions, all these things tied up in my own self-limiting beliefs. And now that I've done work with a uh, neuroscience coach, I've pulled back the curtain on so many of those things. And I so wish that I never had those thoughts. The fact that I had them though, allows me now to see when I'm out of integrity, when my languaging is out of integrity, when my thoughts are out of integrity with the kind of person, not just teacher, with the kind of person I want to be. Is it easy? No. Do I fall, fall down sometimes? Absolutely. What it has done for me though, is it's shown me the importance, especially of languaging, right? Of what we say, how we talk about our teaching. Even this whole idea of asking for permission, right? You know, can I, or why are you teaching it that way? Because that's the way I was taught. It's just such a powerless position to just basically say, "Oh, I'm doing it this way because that's the way I was taught," as if the teacher has no hand in that. You know, no hand in being the um, the teacher in that in that dynamic so again being of integrity um, and bringing integrity into everything that you do is such a broad topic if you just think about it on the level of being a yoga teacher it's a lot of the things i talked about before it's showing up on time for your classes you know and on time is probably early because you probably have to be there 15 minutes to a half an hour before it's covering the front desk if the person Doing that doesn't show up. It's leaving the studio neat. It's not asking for a sub when you really don't need a sub. It's stepping up and covering your colleagues' classes when and if you can. It's you know hanging around after class and being available to answer student questions. It's, you know, responding right away when people are asking for subs so you don't leave them hanging. It's, you know, showing up, you know, even on those days when your energy is low and you don't possibly think you can show up and teach. It's it's all those things. And I know that all of you listeners know these things. And I wanted to say, I'm not saying this in any way to kind of shame anyone or call out anyone. I mean, obviously I'm not using any names, um, but if any of these things resonate with you, I'll say as well, I'll step up and say, they resonate with me too. So I'm not perfect either. Um, and so it's just more a matter of having this idea be kind of a beacon for us and i promise you as you start to bring more integrity into your teaching it's going to filter into your life and vice versa so it's really a really wonderful personal growth feedback loop Um, the next thing is don't follow what everyone else is doing oh my god this is such a big one you know again i feel like because the path to being a yoga teacher for the most part is find a 200 hour training take said 200 hour training get out of said training and now look for a class to teach that's pretty much i feel like that's pretty much what teachers have and so i think that because that has become the norm you know and i have that perspective because i've been teaching for over 15 years so i remember when there weren't there wasn't even really yoga alliance you know we were just training teachers um and then over the years things got more and more and more solidified so along with that as the typical path there's all the other things there's the style of yoga that you teach where you teach um how you present yourself as a teacher what you wear how you handle yourself as a personal brand on your social media pages even if you don't consider yourself a brand you are, when you're out there teaching classes as an individual teacher, you are a brand. Even if you don't have a different brand name like me, Barbon Yoga, even if you've got Instagram pages and social media pages on other platforms where it's your name, you are a personal brand. When you step into that studio, that's what you are. You are yourself and you are part of a system that's promoting your classes, You know, under the auspices of studios you're at, um, and maybe you're doing more than that. So in that case, definitely you're leveraging your personality uh, to be a personal brand. And that's a great thing. It's wonderful because what it really does is it allows us to highlight what makes us unique. And when we just kind of follow along and do what everyone else is doing, we're not leveraging that, which is our best differentiator, which is our uniqueness. And for many teachers, they don't really know what makes them unique you know, through a conversation, um, I bet I could figure it out with them. Um, If they've not done that work, they're not able to highlight that in um, anything that they do. And so that's something that I really want to give you as a homework assignment, this thought process around what makes you unique and what, in what ways can you in the coming year really do things differently so that it helps you meet your goals, right? Because then it's kind of a full circle back to what we talked about at the very beginning. And then the last thing is, I really hope for you and me that we get on to addressing what is holding you back in your career and your life. And you know, I can kind of relate this goal uh, to when I went to this business training this year. In that I really felt like the growth of my business was poised for a big explosion. And the barrier to that growth was me. And in order to, you know, back to my earlier thing, you know, don't do what everyone else is doing, right? I didn't want to just go to another yoga training. When I stepped back and looked at my, um, situation my life my career my business i honestly knew that it wasn't going to do me any good to to just go to another yoga training i mean it'd be great but it'd be kind of the same old thing what i really needed was specific business skill set training and so for that i needed to go to this training with with James Wedmore. And I can tell you, as a result of of doing that, I was really able to leave that experience with knowledge and skills that I will use and I have already used. Matter of fact, I went to the training in October and I already put into play several things that I learned for really great return. So, and, and the return was financial. So it's not just on the personal development side, although a lot of it was. So again, that's, you know, along with that idea, just this idea of just, as I was saying earlier, be a discriminating customer when it comes to how are you going to spend your precious training dollars? You know, don't be kind of, I don't want to say wooed, but, but just, just be alert right? Just be alert and aware and really think about if I'm going to spend two or $3,000 on this trip, what am I going to walk away with? That's a skill. That's something I can use to grow my business or something that I can use to grow on a personal level. Because again, this this last thing I mentioned, get onto addressing what's holding you back in your career and your life. For many of us, you know, what holds us back are beliefs that we have about ourselves, that we have about the world that are so ingrained in our way of being. We don't even see them as barriers, right? That earlier example I gave you about my perception of particular teachers who had another source of it. I mean, who knows? Who knows what their situation was? But I had made up this whole story and that was how I saw the world. And so I thought, oh, well, that person has blah, 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 and I don't, and that person is successful because of blah, 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 and I'm not, and who knows, right? And plus the fact, all of that energy I spent thinking about that was energy that would have been better spent focusing on my business. So all of this takes a lot of self-reflection. It takes a lot of discipline, I'm not going to kid you, it takes a lot of discipline. And it also takes a spark, right? And by a spark I mean a person, a mentor, an experience or all of those things to really nudge you out of complacency. Right? Nudge you out of And and that's for many of us depending on, you know, our age, right? Cuz the older we get, I wished I had had these revelations 20 years ago. You know, um, but I don't have regrets. I say, hey, I am glad that I finally face these things, um, and there's still plenty of time in my life. And I and I hope the same thing for you that you have optimism uh, going forward, and that you have the strength and the tenacity to uh, to really face these things and to ask for help and to look for opportunities to have that mentorship so that you can be kind of nudged forward and then from there it's up to you and there's no hold barred because i I can certainly say for myself you know when i invested in the the six months of sessions with the neuroscience coach i invested in one-on-one work with uh james wedmore as a business entrepreneur went to the training those two things combined uh really shifted me in deep, deep ways that I will always, always have ongoing growth. And that was, that was a source. So we've reached the end of the podcast today. I really, really hope that you have enjoyed this. I want to remind you that this week I am running that special on the anatomy manual. So just DM me on Instagram for the link or email me off the website, barebonesyoga.com, or go to my Facebook page or the Anatomy Workgroup Facebook page for the link. And then I also wanna be sure that you know along the lines of all of what I'm talking about, like looking for opportunities for personal growth, looking for opportunities for mentorship, looking for opportunities for you to spend your training dollars in a discriminatory way, in a way that you know you're gonna get a good return on investment. I wanna give you a heads up about two things. One thing is my Costa Rica uh, training and retreat in June. There are only six spots left. So please, please go to my website, right on the homepage, you'll see the link for the retreat. This is going to be a combo retreat, meaning you're no longer gonna have to say, oh, I'm gonna spend money on a training and then I'm gonna have to spend other money on travel for fun. No, this is both. This is a trip to a beautiful resort in Costa Rica, Bodhi Tree uh, Yoga Resort. It is also an opportunity for you to get some training as a yoga teacher. So it's going to be both. The actual format you can read all about, I'm not going to go into that here, but I want to just frame it for you as both, meaning you are going to get rest. You are going to get fed healthy, delicious food. You are going to have beautiful accommodations. So not like some of the places I've been to where the accommodations are quite rugged. Uh, these, this is a five-star resort. You're also going to get opportunities for one-on-one mentorship with me and um uh, group workshops or afternoon workshops, along with, of course, daily yoga and meditation. So, plenty of time to rest, plenty of time to learn. You're going to be able to check both boxes if you come to my retreat. Now, I know June sounds like it's far away, but as I said, there's only six spots left, and the deadline to sign up is in March. So, you really don't have a lot of time. Further, I want to let you know for the month of December, all you need is 250 bucks to hold your spot. That small amount of money to hold your spot is only available for December. Okay. Now, I also wanna just say before I push off this topic that if you are hearing about it and your knee-jerk reaction is, oh, I could never do that, oh, Costa Rica's too hot, oh, I'm not a yoga teacher yet, oh, I'm afraid to travel by myself, Those are all the self-limiting beliefs that I want you to put the brakes on. I want you to stay open. Uh, And again, maybe this retreat isn't for you. What I'm just suggesting is that before you go into that kind of self-fulfilling diatribe, you stay open to the possibility. Maybe at a minimum, all you do is send me an email and say, hey, Karen, I'm intrigued. Tell me more about it. And, And then you decide from there, from that further conversation. So uh, the Costa Rica retreat right on the homepage. And the last thing I want to just kind of put a sneak peek out about is in January, the first, actually January 1st, I'm going to launch a very special offer to work with me one-on-one. This is going to be a one-on-one mentorship program. That's all I'm going to tell you for now. But I wanted to just give you a small snippet preview that it is coming. Um, so just keep that in mind. So I want to thank you so, so much for listening today. And since it is towards the end of the year, I want to wish you happy holidays. I want to wish you a happy new year. I want to thank you so much for listening and I wish you all the best in 2020. See you on the next episode. Namaste.